story four of the crimson gardenia and other tales of adventure by rex speech this librivox recording is in the public domain story four the wag lady her real name was june well the rest doesn't matter for no one ever got beyond that point it was the scrap iron kid who first bore news of her coming to the wag boys knowing him for a poet they put down his perverted description as the logical outpouring of a romantic spirit reddy summed it up neatly by saying the kid has fell for another quilt that's all i ain't fell for no frill the kid stoutly declared i've saw too many to lose me out this gal's a thoroughbred another recruit for simons i suppose llewellyn yawned i'll drop in at the theatre and look her over ah she ain't no actor either scrap iron declared she's going to start a hotel bah if she's as good-looking as you claim some swede will marry her before she can buy her dishes sure they must all pull something like that to start with said the dummy who was a woman-hater then when you've played em straight they hest the pirate's flag and go to palm and percentage checks in some dance-hall but again the idealistic scrap-iron kid came stubbornly to the defense of the newcomer the argument was growing warm when thomasville and the swede entered with two caddies of tobacco which they had managed to acquire during the confusion at the waterfront thus ending the discussion there were six of the wag boys six as bold and unscrupulous gentlemen as the ebb and swirl of the northern gold rush had left stranded beneath the rim of the arctic and they had joined forces drawn as much perhaps by their common calling as by the facilities thus afforded for perfecting any alibis that a long and lonesome winter might render necessary nor is it quite correct to state that they were stranded for it takes more than the buffets of a stormy fate to strand such men as the dummy and george llewellyn and the scrap-iron kid and their three companions llewellyn was the gentleman of the outfit owing to the fact that the polish of an early training had not been utterly dulled by a four years trick at deer lodge penitentiary the dummy had gained his name from an admirable self-restraint which no third-degree methods had ever served to break thomasville was so called because of a boyish pride in his georgia birthplace while reddy and the swede but this is the story of the wag lady and we digress to begin with june was young with a springtime flush in her cheeks and eyes as clear as glacier pools yet with all her youth and beauty she possessed a poise that held men at a distance she also had a certain fearlessness that came perhaps from worldly innocence and was far more effective than the customary brazenness of frontier women she went ahead with her business asking neither advice nor assistance and almost before the wag boys knew what she was up to she had leased the p c warehouse near their cabin and had carpenters changing it into a bunkhouse in a week it was open for business on the second night after it was full then she built a tiny cabin near her hotel and proceeded to keep house for herself sleeping daytimes and working nights say she's coinin money the scrap iron kid advised his companion some time later she's got fifty bunks at a dollar apiece and each one is full of swede you ought to drift by in a business hours it sounds like a sawmill if she's gettin the money so fast why don't you grab her kid inquired llewellyn 
you cut that out snapped the former speaker there ain't nobody going to grab that dame i'd croak any guy that made a crack at her and that goes seeing a familiar light smouldering in the kid's eyes llewellyn desisted from further comment but he made up his mind to become acquainted with june at once now while he succeeded it was in quite an unexpected manner for before he had formulated any plan thomasville came to him with a proposition that drove all thoughts of women from his mind and sent them both out to the mines shortly after dark each provided with a six-shooter and a bandana handkerchief with eye-holes cut in it jane had returned to her cabin the following morning and was preparing for bed when she heard a faltering footstep outside she glanced down at her money-sack filled with the nice receipts of her hotel then at the fastenings of her door she knew that law was but a pretense and order a mockery in the camp but the next instant she slid back the bolt and let in a flood of morning sunlight there leaning against her wall was a tall dark young man whose head was hanging loosely and rolling from side to side his hair beneath the gray stetson was wet his boots were sodden and muddy one arm was thrust limply into the front of his coat as if paralyzed she saw that the sleeve was caked with blood even as she spoke he sagged forward and slid down at her feet she was not the sort to run for help and so taking him under the armpits she had him on her bed and his sleeve cut away before he opened his eyes it was but an instant's work to heat a basin of water then she fell to bathing the wound when she drew forth the shreds of cloth that had been taken into the flesh by the bullet the man's face grew ghastly and she heard his teeth grind but he made no other sound that hurt didn't it she smiled at him and he tried to smile back how did it happen she queried accident you have come a long way he nodded why didn't you ask for help it wasn't worth while she looked at him wonderingly admiring his gameness then was surprised to hear him say so you're june yes he closed his eyes and lay still while she poured some brandy for him then he said please don't bother i must be going not till you've eaten something she laid a soft cool palm upon his forehead when he endeavoured to rise and he dropped back again watching her curiously he had barely finished eating when another footstep sounded outside and a heavy knock followed hey june called a voice are you up it was jim devlin the marshal and the girl rose only to stop at the look she saw in the wounded man's face his dark eyes had widened desperation haunted them what is it mr devlin she answered have you seen anything of a wounded man within the last half hour she flashed another glance at her guest to find him staring at her defiantly but there was no appeal in his face what in the world do you mean there was a hold-up at amble creek and some shootin'. we're pretty sure one of the gang was hit but he got away pete the waterman says he saw a sick-looking fellow crossing the tundra in this direction i thought you might have noticed him again june's eyes flew back to the pale face of the stranger he had risen now and seeing the frank inquiry in her gaze he shrugged his shoulders and turned his good hand palm upward as if in surrender whereupon she answered the marshal i'm sorry you can't come in mr devlin but i'm just going to bed oh that's all right i'll take a look through your bunkhouse sorry to disturb you when the footsteps had died away the stranger moistened his lips and asked why did you do that 
i don't know you are brave and brave men aren't bad besides i couldn't bear to send any person out of god's sunshine into the dark you see i don't believe in prisons when llewellyn told the other wag boys of june's part in his escape his story was met with exclamations that would have pleased her to hear but the scrap-iron kid broke in to say menacingly look here george don't aim to take no advantage of what she done for you when you was hurt or i'll slip her off ah rats cried llewellyn furiously what do you take me for then staring coldly at the kid he said it won't do her any good to have you hanging around either june's action toward llewellyn and her mode of life gained the admiration and respect of the wag boys and although they avoided her carefully they watched over her from a distance nor was it long before they found a means of serving her although she did not hear of it for many months the dummy came home one night to inform his partners that sammy sternberg who owned the miner's rest was boasting of his conquest of june whereupon sammy was notified by llewellyn acting as a committee of one that his lies must cease sammy got a little drunk a few nights later and boasted again with the result that the scrap-iron kid who was playing blackjack promptly floored him with a clout of his forty-five and the swede who was standing near by kicked the prostrate sternberg in the most conspicuous part of his green and purple waistcoat thereby loosening a rib it was not long before the sporting element of the camp learned to treat june with the highest courtesy and since she had been adopted in a measure by the wag boys she became known as the wag lady meanwhile june was prospering the homeless men who patronized her place began to entrust their gold sacks to her care so she went to harry hope the p c agent and bought a safe in which to deposit her lodger's valuables frequently thereafter she sat guard all night over considerable sums of money while the owners snored peacefully in the big back room when winter closed down june began to see more and more of harry hope and she began to like him too for he was the sort to win women's hearts being big and boyish and full of merriment he had spent several years in the northland and its winds had blown from him many of the city-born traits leaving him unaffected impulsive and hearty while the frontier takes away some evil qualities it also takes some good ones and harry hope was not by any means a saint as the nights grew longer he gained the habit of dropping in to talk with june on his way uptown one evening he paused before leaving and asked can you take care of something for me june of course she answered he flung a leather wallet into her lap laughing you're the banker for the community so lock that up overnight if you please oh she gasped there are thousands of dollars i'd rather not come you must i didn't get it in time to put it in the company safe and if i carry it around somebody will frisk me where are you going down to sternberg's i'm going to outguess his faro dealer this is my lucky night you know realizing full well the lawlessness of the camp june felt a bit nervous as she laid the money away in the course of the evening however she gradually lost her fears some time after midnight when the big front room of the bunkhouse was empty the outside door opened emitting a billow of frost out of which emerged two men they were strangers to june and when she asked them if they witched the beds they said no they backed up to the stove and began staring at their surroundings curiously 
it had never been june's practice to forbid any man the comfort of her coal burner even though he lacked the price for a bed but remembering the money in her safe she sharply ordered these two out neither man stirred they blinked at her in a manner that sent little spasms of nervousness up her spine i tell you it's too late you can't stay that's too bad said one of them he crossed toward the desk behind which she sat at which she softly closed the heavy safe door it gave out a metallic click however which caused the fellow's eyes to gleam that safe ain't locked eh he inquired yes it is she lied he smiled as if to put her at her ease but it was an evil leer and set her heart to pounding violently she was tempted to cry out and arouse her lodgers but merely flung back the fellow's glance defiantly the stranger ran his eye over the place and then said i guess we'll set a while drawing a chair up beside the door he motioned to his partner to do the same they tilted back at their ease and june fancied they were listening intently for a half hour an hour they sat there following her every movement now and then exchanging a word in a tone too low for her to hear she was well-nigh hysterical with the strain of waiting when she saw both men lower the front legs of their chairs and rise together the next instant the door swung violently yet noiselessly inward and a masked man with a gun in his hand leaped out of the night another man was at his heels and they covered her simultaneously then a most amazing thing occurred june's mysterious visitors pounced upon them from behind there was a brief breathless struggle and the next instant all four swept out into the snow amid a tangle of arms and legs followed the sounds of a furious scuffle of heavy blows curses and groans and then a voice beat it now or we'll croak the two of you and peddle the word that no rough stuff goes here do you get that there was the impact of a boot planted against flesh and the next instant june's deliverers had re-entered and closed the door one of them was sucking a wound in the fleshy part of his hand where a falling revolver hammer had punched him but he inquired in a thoroughly business-like tone got a little hot water june june emerged weakly from behind her desk well what does it all mean oh it's all right they won't trouble you no more they came to rob me and you knew it sure harry hope got full and told about leaving eight thousand dollars with you so we beat him to it but why didn't you say so you frightened me we wasn't sure they'd try it and we didn't like to work you up please who are you us why we're wag boys llewellyn's our pal i'm charlie fitzhugh they call me the dummy and this is thomasville thomasville nodded and mumbled greetings without removing his thumb from his mouth whereupon june began to express her gratitude but thanks threw the wag boys into confusion it seemed and they quickly bade her an embarrassed good night now that they had removed the weight of obligation that had rested upon them the wags became more neighborly llewellyn and the scrap iron kid called to explain that the dummy in thomasville had broken all rules of friendship by hogging the spotlight and to express their own regret at having been absent during the attempted hold-up june was eating her midnight lunch when they came and after they had left llewellyn said she didn't have any butter kid notice it sure butter's pillock rotstein cornered the supply and he's holding it for a raise where does he keep it in that big tent back of his store along with his other stuff now the wag boys did nothing by halves 
about dusk the following day the rothstein watchman was accosted by a stranger who had just mutched in from the creek the two gossiped for a moment then as the stranger made off he slipped and fell injuring himself so painfully that the watchman was forced to help him down to kelly's drug store upon returning from his labor of charity the watchman discovered to his amazement and horror that during his absence two men had entered the tent by means of a six-foot slit in the rear wall they had brought a sled with them moreover and had made off with about five hundred dollars worth of rothstein hart's blood labeled cold brook creamery extra fine the next morning when june returned to her cabin she found a case of butter a few days later the dummy discovered a string of ptarmigan hanging beside the rear door of a restaurant and desiring to offer june some delicate little attention he returned after dark and removed them as ptarmigan were selling at five dollars a brace he was careful to protect the girl he sat on the back steps of the restaurant and picked the birds thoroughly scattering the feathers with a careless hand scarcely a day passed that june did not receive something from the wags but of course she never dreamed that her gifts had been stolen as for her admirers it was the highest mark of their esteem thus to lay at her feet the choicest fruits of their precarious labors and although they were common thieves uh, nay worse than that they stole rather from love of excitement than for hope of gain and the more fantastic the adventure the more it tickled their distorted fancies they were most amusing and june grew to like them immensely she began to mother them in the way that pleases all women she ruled them like a family of wayward children she settled their disputes and they submitted with subdued though extravagant joy she asked llewellyn once about that wound in his arm but he lied fluently and she believed him for she was not the kind to credit evil of her friends once they had received encouragement they fairly monopolized her she was never safe from interruption for the wag boys never slept they came to her cabin singly and collectively at all hours of day or night during her absence or during her presence and they never failed to leave something behind them roddy was a good cook but he loathed a stove as he loathed a policeman yet he donned an apron and at the cost of much profanity and sweat produced a chocolate cake that would have done credit to a new england housewife furthermore it bore june's name in a beautiful scroll surrounded by a chocolate wreath and she found it on her bed when she came home one morning chancing to express a liking for oysters in the hearing of the scrap-iron kid she mysteriously received a whole case of them when she knew very well that there were none in camp of course she did not dream that in securing them the kid had put his person in deadly peril on returning from her duties at another time she found that during the night the interior walls of her cabin had been painted and although she did not want them painted and although the smell gave her a violent headache she pretended to be overcome with delight in order to beautify her little nest reddy had burgled a store and stolen all the paint there was of the particular shade that pleased his eye now the wag boys pretended to be carefree and happy as time went on in reality they were gnawed by a secret trouble it was june's growing fondness for harry hope after careful observation they decided that the p c agent would not do at all he was too wild he had undeniably lost his head and was gambling heavily 
tempted perhaps by the lax morality of the camp and the license of good times it was the dummy who finally proposed a means of safeguarding june's wandering affections somebody's got to split her away from this hope he declared it's up to us and llewellyn's the only one in her class the scrap iron kid's face assumed an ugly yellow cast as he inquired quietly do you mean george is to marry her hardly exploded the dummy just toll her away why shouldn't i marry her llewellyn demanded i can think of five reasons the kid retorted he tapped his chest with his finger here's one and there's the other four he pointed to the other wag boys do you think we'd let you marry her huh i'd sooner marry myself llewellyn ended the discussion by stamping out of the cabin cursing his partners with violence business of the p c company took harry hope to council city in february so the wags felt easier but only for a time they found that june was grieving for him and were plunging into deep despair until scrap iron came home with the explanation that the lovers had quarrelled before parting it was a signal for a celebration during which reddy cooked wildly for a week making puddings and pies and pastries most of which were smuggled into june's cabin thomasville journeyed out to a certain roadhouse run by a frenchman and returned with a case of eggs wrapped up in a woolen comforter it required the combined perjury of the other wags to prove an alibi for him but june had an omelette every morning thereafter then just as they were weaning her away as they thought the blow fell it came with a crushing force that left them dumb and panic-stricken june took pneumonia the scrap iron kid brought the first news of her illness and he blubbered like a baby while dummy the woman hater cursed like a man bereft how do you know it's pneumonia queried thomasville the doc says so me and george dropped in with some beefsteaks we copped from the butcher and found her in bed coughing like the devil she couldn't get up pains in her bosom we run for doc whiting and fellers it's true george is there now the kid swallowed bravely and two tears rolled down his cheeks the wag boys broke out of their cabin on the run then strung out down the snow-banked street toward june's cabin where they found dr whiting very grave and llewellyn with his face blanched and his lips tight drawn they tiptoed in and stood against the wall in a silent stricken row twirling their caps and trying to ease the pain in their throats the wag lady was indeed very ill her yellow hair was tumbled over her pillow and she was in great pain but she smiled at them and made a feeble jest which broke in her throat for she was young and all alone and very badly frightened it was too much for the scrap-iron kid who stumbled out into the freezing night and fought with his misery he tried to pray but from long inexperience he fancied he made bad work of it an hour later they assembled and laid plans to weather the storm she's worried about her hotel llewellyn announced if that was off her mind she'd have a better chance well let's manage it for her the dummy offered i'll watch it tonight. and who'll watch you queried the kid do you reckon i'd run out on a pal like june stormed the dummy whereat scrap iron assured him he was positive that he would not for the very good reason that he and reddy would take care that no opportunity offered you run the joint like you say and we'll look out her game for her then to-morrow night the other three can do it we'll take turns and turn about and them that's off shift will nurse her i've been thinking now if only we knowed something about women folks 
i've been married once or twice if that's any good thomasville ventured to confess whereupon he was elected head nurse by virtue of his experience and accordingly they went to work dr whiting had promised to secure a woman to care for the sick girl but women were scarce that winter and he was only partly successful so the greater portion of the responsibility fell upon the wags he also spoke of removing june to the excuse for a hospital but they would not hear to this and so the battle for her life began it was a battle too for she grew rapidly worse and soon was delirious babbling of strange things which tore at the hearts of the wag boys day after day night after night she lay racked and tortured fighting the brave fight of youth and through it all the six thieves tended her they were ever at her side coming and going like the wraiths of her distorted fancy and while three of them divided the day into watches the other three ran the bunkhouse keeping strict account of every penny taken in they okayed one another's books and it would have fared badly indeed with any one of them had he allowed the least discrepancy to appear in his reckoning it was a strange scene this a sick and friendless girl mothered by a gang of crooks when june's condition improved they rejoiced with a deep ferocity that was pitiful when it grew worse they went about hushed and terror-stricken through it all she called incessantly for harry hope and it was llewellyn who finally volunteered to go to council city and fetch him an offer that showed the others he was game but before the weather had settled sufficiently to allow it hope came he arrived one night in a blinding smother which whined down over the treeless wastes, driving men indoors before its fury. Hearing of June's illness, he had taken the trail within an hour, fighting his way for a hundred trackless miles through a blizzard that daunted even a wag-boy, and he showed the marks of battle. His face was bitten deeply by the cold, his dogs were dying in the harness, and it was evident that he had not slept for many hours he whimpered like a child when llewellyn met him at june's door then he heard her wearily babbling his name as she had done these many many days and he went in kneeling beside her with his frozen breath still caked upon his parka hood llewellyn stood by and heard him tenderly calling to the wandering girl saw the peace that came into her face as something told her he was near then the wag-boy who had once been a gentleman came forward and gave hope his hand and thanked him for his coming june began to mend after that and it was not long before whiting said she might recover if she had proper food she would however need nourishment milk but there was only one cow in camp and other sick people and not sufficient milk to go around the wag-boys lumped their bank-rolls and offered to buy the animal from its owner but he refused so they stole the cow and all her fodder now it is no difficult matter to steal a cow even in a mining camp in the dead of winter but it is not nearly so easy for a cow to remain stolen under such conditions and the wags were hard put to prevent discovery it would have been far easier they realized to steal a two-story brick house or a printing office and then too not one of them knew how to secure the milk even after they had gained the cow's consent they made various experiments however one of which resulted in reddy's having the breath rammed out of him and another causing thomasville to adopt crutches for a day or so but eventually june got her milk a gallon of it daily 
every night or two the cow had to be moved every day they gagged her to muffle her voice then when discovery was imminent they made terms of surrender exacting twenty-five per cent of the gross output as the consideration for her return they breathed much easier when the cow was off their hands spring was in sight when june became strong enough to take up her duties and she was surprised to find her hotel running as usual also a flour-sack full of currency beneath her bed together with a set of books showing her receipts it was signed by llewellyn and witnessed by the other wags there was no record of disbursements one day whiting advised her to get out in the air and the scrap-iron kid volunteered to take her for a dog-ride i didn't know you had a team she said who me sure i got as good a team as ever you see he declared and when she accepted his invitation he proceeded to get his dogs together in a startling manner he tied a soup bone on a string and walked the back streets then when he beheld a likely-looking husky he dragged the bone behind him enticing the animal by degrees to the wag-boy's cabin where he promptly tied it up he repeated the performance seven times the matter of harness and sled was but a detail so june enjoyed a ride that put pink roses into her cheeks and gave the scrap-iron kid a feeling of pure exalted joy such as he had never felt in all his adventurous career the day she walked over to the wag house unassisted was one of such wild rejoicing that she was forced to tell them shyly of her own happiness a happiness so new that as yet she could scarcely credit it she was to be mrs harry hope and asked them to wish her joy llewellyn made a speech that evoked the admiration of them all even to the kid who was miserably jealous and june went home with her heart very warm and tender toward these six adventurers who had been so true to her it was to be expected that hope would share in his sweetheart's extravagant gladness for he loved her deeply with all the force of his big strong nature yet he acted strangely as time went on now he was sad and worried again he seemed tortured by a lurking disquietude of spirit this alarmed the wag lady and she set out to find the secret of his trouble the ice was breaking when he made a clean breast of it and when he had finished june felt that her heart was breaking also it was the commonplace story of a young man tempted beyond his strength hope's popularity had made him a host of friends while his generosity had made no a difficult answer he had plunged into excesses during the early winter gambled wildly not to win but for the fun of it he had lost company money trusting to his ability to make it good from his own pocket when the time came the time was coming and his pockets were empty spring was here the first boats would arrive any day and with them would come the p c men to audit his accounts it was possible to cover it up to be sure but he scorned to falsify his books i should have stayed in council city he said but when i heard you were sick he buried his brown face in his hands the girl's lips were white as she asked how much is it well, nearly twenty thousand she shook her head hopelessly i haven't nearly that much harry but perhaps they would let us pay off the balance as we are able june he cried i wouldn't let you i'll go to jail first i i, I suppose you don't want to marry me now that you know i love you more than twenty thousand dollars worth she replied we'll face it out together if only i had time i could pay it back and they'd never know for i have property that will sell once the season opens 
then you must take time i can't sternberg will tell what has sternberg to do with it i lost the money in his place his books will show he suspects even now and he's talking about it he doesn't like me you know since he heard of our engagement the days fled swiftly by the hills thrust their scarred sides up through the melting snow the open sea showed black beyond the rim of anchor ice as nature awoke and blossomed june faded and shrank until she was no more than the ghost of her former self then one day smoke was reported upon the horizon and the town became a bedlam for the door of the frozen north was creaking on its hinges and just beyond lay the good glad world of men and things june could stand it no longer so she told her sorrow to llewellyn who had half guessed it anyhow and he in turn retold it to his fellow wags the scrap-iron kid was for killing hope at once and argued that it was by far the simplest way out of june's trouble carrying with it also an agreeable element of retribution hope had hurt the wag lady therefore the least atonement he could offer was his blood but dummy the foxy old alibi man of the outfit said i've got a better scheme hope wants to do the right thing and june'll make him if she has a chance the company will get its coin she'll get her square guy and nobody'll be hurt provided he has time to swing himself the ace in the hole is sammy sternberg he's got the books now what's the answer steal the books chorus the wags and dummy smiled why sure you can't stick up no saloon full of roughnecks and sleepers said scrap iron sammy catches his books in the safe when he's off shift and we can't blow the safe cause the joint never closes but the dummy only grinned for this was the sort of job he liked and then he proceeded to make known his plan those were terrible hours for june she prayed with all the earnestness of her earnest being that her lover might be spared repeatedly she strained her tear-filled eyes to the southward as for hope he had tasted the consequences of his guilt and his face grew lined and haggard with the strain of waiting he could have met the future with some show of resignation had it not been for the knowledge of his sweetheart's suffering but as the hours passed and that thin black line of soot still hung upon the horizon he thought he would go mad on the second day a steamer showed hull down having wormed her way through the floes and nome marched out upon the shore ice in a body june and harry went with the others hand in hand and the man walked as if he were marching to the gallows it was not the p c steamer after all it was the whaler genie the fleet was in the offing however so she reported and would be in within another twenty-four hours if the pack kept drifting hope ground his teeth and muttered poor little june i wish it were over for your sake and she nodded wearily but as they neared the shore again they heard rumors of strange doings in their absence there had been a daring daylight hold-up at the miner's rest six masked men had taken advantage of the exodus to enter and clean out the place at the point of the gun and now sammy sternberg was poisoning the air with his complaints details came flying faster as they trudged up into front street and doc whiting paused to say that's the nerviest thing yet eh, harry was anybody hurt no damage done except to sammy's feelings they surely didn't get much money 
oh no their total clean-up wasn't a hundred dollars but they lugged off sammy's books june felt herself falling and grasped weakly at her lover's arm for she saw it all come she said and dragged him up to her own cabin then on to the wag boy's door they were all there sprawled about and smoking you did this she said shakingly you did it for me did what they asked in chorus looking at her blankly oh we know said harry hope you've given me a chance and i'll make good his own voice sounded strange in his ears there was an instant's awkward pause and then the scrap-iron kid said simply you'd better and the others nodded llewellyn spoke up saying reddy is our regular chef but i'd like to have you see me cook a goose then he drew from his inside pocket what seemed to be a leaf torn from a ledger and unfolding it he struck a match then lighted it i suppose i ought to be a man and face the music hope managed to stutter but i'm going to cheat the ends of justice for june's sake i'm much obliged to you when they had gone off hand in hand the scrap-iron kid nodded approvingly to george saying that was sure some cookin you did pal and llewellyn answered yeah i cooked your goose and mine but she'll be happy anyhow end of story four